Good morning. I'm going to turn myself down a little bit because I have a, a Donna Light voice and a Matthew Robertson microphone. Well, so my parents, a.k.a. Pastor Dwayne, Miss Donna, they are out. I was going to tell everybody they were at marriage counseling, but apparently teaching a marriage conference and going to marriage counseling are not the same thing. So, you know, apparently that was not a funny joke, but I said it anyways. Ha ha, I have the microphone. Our scripture for this morning is, comes from the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, it says, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These are the words that I am giving to you today, and they are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That first part where it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Who, who would say that later on in the New Testament? So we don't know. Jesus would say that. And what did he call it? He called it the greatest commandment. So I think if Jesus would later on come and repeat this and say, this is the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your, heart, with all your soul and with all your strength, that's probably something we ought to pay attention to in our houses. We just came out of uh, the sermon series through the month of January called The Pursuit, where we talked about what we're going to pursue this coming year, about focusing on God, and we, we all participated in the fast. And anybody thankful to have caffeine back in your life? I know I am. But we talked so much about the pursuit and what we're going to kick off the new year with. And everybody, you know, has this idea of making New Year's resolutions and not following through on them, which it maybe it's just me. Um, but a lot of times we take the opportunity to set up the new year and what we're going to try new this year and the, the things we're going to do. And we're going to be a better us and a better, you know, we're going to go to the gym and not eat anything but kale and, you know, be in bed by nine o'clock and not watch Netflix till minute. Just we come up with all these ideas and we're going to start it in the new year, new year, new me kind of thing. But I think what a lot of times is what we we end up doing is we focus on the new year, new me, uh, and we we make these giant aspirations because we saw about them where we saw them online somewhere. We we found some lifestyle coach that we really like. We really like to buy into whether it's you know, has to do with finances or fitness or health. And like, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes those like little reels you can watch on the internet, like get a little too addicting sometimes where we're just swiping through and people want to give you like this big piece of life advice in like 58 seconds. Um, and we end up getting this idea of like, well, this person on the internet said it, so it must be true. And as silly as that sounds, like we start to base our lifestyle and we start to base our big decisions on somebody that we saw on the internet because they have a big YouTube channel, so clearly they're an expert. And I, I think back to, to sermons I've heard in the past where we talk about the family dynamic. And we say, how do we go from Ward Beaver, where he, he worked every day and came home and his wife wore pearls and the kids were behaving and we all sat down at dinner and, you know, then he got his pipe and slippers. And we went from that to, to this family guy where, like, everybody in the house is a joke and running wild and there's no respect in the house. And how do we make that transition? 
I'm going to say, it, no, I don't think anybody I know is on either end of that spectrum that severely. You know, I don't know anybody that's got their stuff together as much as the, the Beaver family, and I don't know anybody that's as dysfunctional as a cartoon. But I did some research, and I was reading about the nuclear family, the, the ideal family situation. And, and now today, because everything's so political correct, there is no such thing as an ideal family anymore. Because, like, God forbid you bring up a traditional family, then you just immediately are canceled and sent to an island where nobody knows about you anymore. Like, Lord forbid you'd be like, we believe in the traditional view of marriage. Nope, you don't get to talk anymore. But if you took, like, like, let's say, you know, we go back 30 or 40 or 50 years. And I saw this, this study, and it, it kind of translated what it would look like today. And it was two people, man and a woman, they, they meet each other somewhere in high school or college. They fall in love, become sweethearts, get married. The husband makes an average of $105,000 a year while the wife stays home with their two and a half children, one of each gender. And then they stay married for 50 years and retire eloquently to the state of Florida, and the kids go off to live similar lives. And I thought, who do I know that fits every single one of those categories? That I can check every, like, okay, you've, you got married straight out of high school or college to your sweetheart, and it's just been great. You were married for three years, then you had two kids, no problem. The wife stays home, and... The house is always in order and perfect, and the husband makes an average of $105,000 a year, and there's two beautiful cars in the driveway and the 401k set up, and everybody's just hunky-dory. Well, I don't know anybody that checks every one of those boxes. But when we start to look online and start to look at other people, they make it sound like it's so easy and we should have our stuff together enough where we can just go, okay, yeah, you follow these five steps, and you're going to be perfect. And we start to believe a lie that we're behind everybody else. No matter what stage in life we're in, we're somehow behind everybody else. Nobody else has this issue with money that I have. Nobody else has kids that are acting this way. Nobody else is struggling with their spouse. Nobody else is struggling with these medical issues. I'm somehow behind everybody else, and I feel insignificant. Like somewhere along the way, I went wrong where everybody else was just smarter than me, and I just made this mistake. Where we start to feel that we followed the wrong advice somewhere, and like if we had the, you know, wherewithal to know ten years ago, we would be so much further ahead. But it doesn't matter what happened in the past. The point is, we all got to where we're at today, and we're here. Can't change anything about how you got here, but you're here now, so we might as well look at something new going forward. I think that when we look and compare ourselves to other people, I've always been told that comparison is the biggest thief of joy on the planet. You know, the Facebook and everything else that goes on is usually somebody else's highlight reel. It's not, it's not the bloopers. And I got a life full of bloopers. And here's the thing. Everybody in this building, everybody, I don't care who you are or what you got going on, everybody has a dysfunctional family. Everybody. You got stuff going on. You got some wild person in your family that you don't know what to do with. 
Everybody, you hear chuckles because you're like, yeah, that's me. And if you're not laughing, if you're not the one laughing, somebody's laughing at, for you. Everybody's got stuff going. Everybody has done something stupid in their household that their spouse is still going to bring up 10 years later. Okay? Everybody's dysfunctional. But let me tell you something. Uh, fortunately, since we're all dysfunctional, we can all s figure out function together, right? We're going to try to do that today. So I'm going to talk about some wild concepts here that I think we've forgotten. All right, so it says, love the, Lord, love, blah, 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 blah. love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength. And that's something we all get behind. We are going to try to pursue Christ in the new year. We all talked about that. Let's try to pursue Christ, stay in our devotions, you know, read the Bible more, try to listen to God fast, do what he says, all that stuff, okay? We can get behind that. It's this next part that I think we struggle with. It says, these are the words I'm giving you today. Repeat them to your children. So often, I think families now, we're forgetting to spend time with our kids. That is an educational experience. I think a lot of times when we were like, well, we're having family time together. Sitting in the same room on your phones does not count as family time together. You know, I remember, like, you know, I'm not that I'm that old. I'm still 29. I'm not 30 yet. I, not that I'm that old. But, I like, when I was in high school, there wasn't, like, iPhone-type technology in our hands. Like, if you had an iPhone, it's because you're, like, you're loaded and your parents just wanted to spend a $100,000 a month on you to have an iPhone. Like, it was iPhone 1 when I was in high school. So we still had flip phones, and it was easy for your dad to be like, put your phone away, son. You don't need to text whoever you're texting. You can wait till we're done. If I spent time with my dad, it was usually because, like, it was a Saturday, and there was work to be done around the house in some capacity. There was somewhere, something, grass needed to be cut, something needed to be fixed. There was something in the house that we had to take care of, and Dad's like, come on, son. And you know what we do? Dad would lead the way, I would hold the flashlight, and I would be verbally assaulted for holding the flashlight wrong. Okay? I remember one time, I was cutting the grass, and like, my dad... It was a fantastic dad. I'm never going to take away. My, I had an amazing dad, okay? And I was a handful, okay? I was. I know this. Because I would try to outwit getting out of doing things sometimes. And I remember one day, I'm, I'm cutting grass, and my dad would buy the cheapest lawnmower known to man <laughs> that never wanted to run, and it was just, it was awful. And I remember I got one and a half passes through the yard, and I heard this, like, boom, come from the lawnmower, and it just stopped working. And I was like, okay, I think, I think it blew up, which, big surprise, it was $59.99. <laughs> and came with a free tax return. <laughs> so I go inside to my dad, and I'm like, Dad, the lawnmower blew up. And he's just, no, son, it didn't. I need you to just do what I said and go cut the grass. I'm like, Dad, the, the lawnmower's broken. I can't, like, no, it's, it's not working. Okay, no, it's not. I just... For one time, Mikey, just one time, go outside and just please do what I asked you to do. Okay, Dad, okay, this time is for real, okay? The lawnmower is broken. Okay, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to pull the cord twice, and it's going to start, and then we're going to fight. Okay, you know what? Go pull the cord. Goes up there. There's just oil leaking out of the side of the lawnmower. He's like, yeah, it's broken. <laughs> Try not to get any oil when you put it back in the garage. 
And I remember that to this day, and I love to give my dad all kinds of crap about it, but you know what he says? He's like, well, maybe if you weren't always trying to get out of doing work as a high schooler, that wouldn't have been an issue. And those are like, and it's a fun memory to look back on. And it's time I got to spend with my dad, and like, yeah, it's ha-ha funny or whatever, and we get to look back, but like, I was fortunate enough I had a dad that was like, go outside, cut grass, use a cheap lawnmower. He taught me how to cut grass and work on stuff and do things like that. And it's, it's that culture that I think we're missing out on today. You know, I, I have friends that are like, their, their idea of spending time with their kids is like playing video games together. And like, if that's your thing, that's cool. But like, let's teach our kids some life skills. And socialization is one of them. Teach them to your children. Spend time with your kids, instilling in them the word of God, instilling in them godly values. Moms and dads teaching their kids how to be good moms and dads, how to be functioning members of society, how to be like human beings that can function by themselves for more than five minutes without a cell phone. So often we forget that as parents, it's our job to not just teach our kids to behave, but like eventually they're going to leave us and be responsible on their own. And that's a reflection of how we are. So their relationship with God, their relationship with their employees, their relationship with their future spouse is a direct reflection of how we taught them what to do. We can't rely on their school teachers, we can't rely on their pastors at church, whatever, to be the good influence in their life. You know, I, I'll i never forget, like, you know, my me and my dad would go out, and I was taking my driving test, or I had just got my driver's license, okay? Got my driver's license, and we spent about five minutes, we have to talk about this this morning, he taught me how to drive a stick shift, and I, I learned to drive a stick shift very poorly. Like, I was not good at it. I, it's amazing the transmission just didn't fall out of the truck. And one day we were leaving church, and he throws me the keys. He was like, all right, you're driving home. I'm like, I can't drive a stick shift. He's like, well, I guess we're going to be here a while. And we limped it home, just jerking, like. But he, it, and it was, I remember I didn't get yelled at, I didn't get fr- he didn't get frustrated. He was like, listen, this is going to suck at the time, and we might do some damage, but I'm going to teach you how to do this. And I still, I still drive that, I drove that truck here this morning. Barely made it, but it, I drove that truck here. But because of our society of instant fixes, the moment something becomes a little bit frustrating, we give up on it. We so often want to, like, I, my mom's a kindergarten teacher, and I've heard so many stories of just like kids just expect like as soon as I start crying, I'm going to get my way. The church I grew up in, and this is, this, there's no way this would fly, fly to the church I grew up in in South Georgia, outside of the church were two beautiful birch trees that every limb to about this high off was picked clean off from mamas walking out of the church when their kids were misbehaving and just ripping one of them limbs off and beating the snot out of the kid and bringing them back like you sit there and you color in the loops and all the bulletin and you be quiet because we're in church right now. And that's biblical. Repeat these words to your children. Teach your kids something. Be with them. Be in it for the long haul. 
Don't give up when it's mildly difficult. It says, talk about them when you sit in your house. This is something that I think is the easiest thing to do as a family, is eat dinner together at a table without a phone. Ask questions. Talk to each other. Be family. And it's so much easier to just turn on Netflix and eat food in the living room. It's easier. Because then it's just everybody can kind of eat, do what they need to do. We'll clean up when we're done. Nobody has to argue. But when we do wild things like sit at a table and say, hey, how was your day? Hey, how, and not just to our spouse, but to our kids. When we talk, when we function and spend time as a family, which used to be, used to be, you just had to eat at the table. That was just what my, my dad talks about growing up. They always ate at the table. But in the name of convenience, we choose to eliminate family time because it's easier to sit in front of a TV. And am I going to say TV's the enemy? No. I have a TV in my house. I watch TV in my house. But if your television is costing you time with your family and children, if they're not learning about loving the Lord God with all their heart, if they're not learning something from their parents, they're not learning how to act when they're sitting at a table, then that's when the TV becomes a problem. You know, a lot of things, you know, I think uh, we have issues sitting at a table together because we're worried about, like, especially from, from my standpoint, you know, I'm, I'm the provider, I'm the dad, and it's like you sit down at a table, and I just got home from work, and I've dealt with problem people all day, and then everybody's problems comes raining in at once. And sometimes we don't like to hear that because it's like, listen, I've been putting out fires all day long. Can I go five minutes without somebody having a problem? Just five minutes. And unfortunately, as leaders of the household, as spiritual heads of the household, we don't get that option sometimes. Sometimes there's just always going to be something on fire. And there's nothing in Scripture, nowhere in it. Read the whole book that says, listen, husband, sit down and let your wife take care of you. And if there's any problems, just ignore them. It's in the book of Second Opinions. But we live in a society today that's like, rise up, king, and take what's yours, and be the, like, take care of you before you take care of you. Okay, no. You know, there is a time in life where if you didn't show up and go to work and bust your butt all day long, that was the abnormality. But now we're, we, we, we're raising a, I was listening to, uh, a political analyst that I like to uh, listen to. He talks about all these different things, and he's, it's just, it's, I'm at work all day, and I have to listen to something. He was talking about how this next generation that's coming up is literally socially geared to be alone by themselves in a room in front of a screen. So they're like, the next group of IT professionals and programmers are going to be fantastic. However, we don't know who's going to fix all the buildings and cars. We're literally training up this next generation to only be good at sitting in a room by themselves in front of a computer screen. 
We're teaching them that YouTube can teach you anything you need to know. Heaven forbid you have to open up a book. But we're, we're not spending time with our kids to teach them how to function in society so that eventually it's going to get pretty ugly. You know, I, I loved where a couple years ago there was this big movement of people going back to trades. People started realizing that, like, hey, nobody wants to fix cars or plumbing or houses or whatever. And, like, there's a, it was almost like a little mini gold rush where guys were like, I don't need to go to college. I can make great money going into a trade. And it's like that went, 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 and then fell off. And that's not the kids' fault. Everyone wants to blame lazy millennials. Well, guess what? Somebody raised the lazy millennials. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road. When you walk along the road, spend time together with your family outside. It's a wild idea. I remember like the happiest moment I had when we moved into our house that we moved into four years ago or whatever was I came outside and there were two boys that were going Mach 3 down the road on scooters. And I, and I heard somebody was like, y'all are going to fall. I'm like, let them. They're outside playing, like, I'll help them build a ramp. Like, come on. <laughs> One of them to this day, like, I'll come pull into my truck, and he'll be on his scooter trying to race me in my truck. I'm like, this kid is going somewhere. Because <laughs> there's a giant hill in my neighborhood, and there are kneecaps just strewn about the bottom of it where kids just fly down and fall. And I'm like, this is what America needs. Kids to hurt themselves on wheeled equipment. Spend time outside. Get fresh air. Teach kids about birds. Like, do something away from a computer screen. And it's in the Bible for when you take walks along the road. There's no roads indoors, people. I just, I just think of, like, I have so much fun at, with my daughter in Christmas time where we'll go for a walk because it's Georgia, and it can be, like, 60 degrees at Christmas time sometimes. But we'll go walk around the neighborhood and look at Christmas lights and let her ask questions. And, like, it's so much fun just to be outside and no one's on their phone and we're just looking at Christmas lights. And it's good family time together. But it's this wild idea where we don't want to take time to be outside with our family because it's hot or it's cold or we don't feel like walking or we're so out of shape because we've never gone on a walk that we can't go on a walk. Do stuff with your kids outside. Teach them how to throw a ball or swing a golf club. Amen. You know, I think if our New Year's resolution was based on spending more time with our family away from a television screen, that's you have to sit down and think about what we're going to do now. It becomes almost difficult at that point because everything's like, well, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to start having family movie night. Am I against family movie night? Absolutely not. But I think it can be a cop-out when family time is based around a television. It says, when you lie down and when you get up. So all day long, be teaching your kids. Bind them as a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead. Am I saying you need to go get a forehead tattoo? Which apparently that's cool now. Please don't get a forehead tattoo. 
Like, I don't ask y'all to do much from here. <laughs> but if I see, like, a life point or new life or, like, wow, women's ministry, forehead tattoos, you're, you're kicked out. I'm sorry. We're just, we're not doing <laughs> We're not doing that anymore. <laughs> and like, I mean, I'll tell you what, you can get a, the lick and stick tattoo, and that's, that's all I'm giving you. But what it's saying here is bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. It's like make it blatantly obvious that you are trying to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and you're trying to instill them in your kids where it's like it was written across right here. And let me tell you a little, how about this? Anybody ever had their spouse look at them and say, fix your face? And what that means is something's happening, and you're not saying anything, but your face is saying something. We'll be walking around in Walmart or Kroger or somewhere, and I, somebody will walk by, and I'll make a face, and Kelly will be like, fix your face. You're blatantly judging these people. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Yes, you're, you're literally, fix your face. Or one of her friends will be talking about something, and uh, she'll fix your face, be nice. Some of y'all are laughing because either you're the face that need be fixed. <laughs> and like anybody ever had your spouse or somebody in your life where they'll be talking to you and then they'll stop talking and be like, never mind. I didn't say anything. Your face said something. It's funny, but it's because we are people that what we believe in our emotions and how we're feeling about something is literally written across our forehead. So when our kids are looking at us and society is looking at us and people outside of the faith are looking at us, it should be so obvious that we are pursuing a life of Christ and a holistic lifestyle of raising our kids. It needs to be written on our forehead. It needs to be obvious on our face. You know, we've all seen people that when you, in this drive, this is one of my biggest pet peeves. When families go out together, and the parents just look like they are drained of all life and happiness that they have to spend time with their children. And that breaks my heart because, like, you know, yes, is it hard being a parent? Absolutely. Are there times when you're just like, can you just stop for five minutes? Or can you not point out things that are going to be very embarrassing for five minutes? But when going out with your family is a drag and it's written all over your forehead, if you're acting like it's inconvenient that you have to spend time and instill the uh, values of faith in your kids, you might as well just not do it at that point. Because you're only doing it because you have to and not because God called you to and you're trying to love the Lord God with all your heart and instill those values in your kids, you might as well not do it. And here's the part that I really like. It says, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And I think that a lot of times, the key to this lifestyle of being a vintage-style family with vintage-style values of the old school, no phones, hang out together, is how we set up our house. And this has nothing to do with kids, but I think that as Americans that we're starting to kind of get a little bit lax on taking care of our houses. I'm a full candidate that if you're a dad and you got a house, you need to be out in the front yard in the springtime with white new balances, high socks, making that yard look crisp and clean and dragging whatever boys you got in the house with you. You need to be eyeballing that neighbor's yard like it's a competition. 
take pride. You need when it's time and when the sun starts going down, you fire that grill up. You put the best burgers and you don't let anybody tell you that they're not the best. Take pride in your house and in your yard. Guys, be outside and show off that yard. And if you're not good at it, watch a video, read a book, get good at it. Because let me tell you something. When you take pride in the things that God has blessed you with, when we take pride in the fact that we live in the richest nation in the world, when we start to do everything as unto the Lord, and that means taking care of our house inside and out, am I saying you need to be full-on Joanna Gaines on the interior decorating? No. But we need to take pride in the way we set up our house. Now listen, I got a three-year-old. My house looks like a tornado went through it sometimes. Just naked Barbies everywhere. <laughs> if you raise daughters, you know what I'm talking about, okay? But take pride in your house. Are there times when my front yard looks like a yard sale of pink and ain't nothing for sale? Yes. But take pride in the way we set up our house. You know, we had the, the funnest accident at our house where I was, <laughs> I was at work and my wife texted me and she said, hey, I think we broke the microwave. And I was like, okay, think and we are kind of strange in that sentence. So what happened? And she sends me a picture of our microwave with the entire glass front shattered out of it and I was like how in the heck and it was just it was a legit accident she had it played in her hand it was closing the door and caught the corner of the safety glass and it just and if you know anything about safety glass if you hit the edge it just gives up on everything and I was like well this is fantastic we we broke our microwave and we kind of went back and forth of like are we gonna buy another what microwave are we gonna get and after a couple of weeks of not having a microwave I was like hey Let's not get a microwave. Let's see how we can function in this house without a microwave. And it changed the way we operated in our house for the better, like I could not even tell you. The way we ate healthier, the way we stopped doing quick little whatevers, the way it's made us kind of take time to sit down and cook m meals together. And yes, is it inconvenient? But like, it's something that I, I would never be like, microwaves are evil. You need to get rid of a microwave. But, like, it was something that changed our household and, like, probably would have given me anxiety about not being able to, like, you know, melt cheese on nachos at a moment's notice. But it changed the way we were in our house. And I'm like, we're not getting a microwave. I really dig the way this has changed our family. And it was something that happened completely by accident. But God was able to kind of, like, insert a way for it to really help us live a better life as a family. And so what's that one thing in your house that you think you can't live without, but if it went away, it makes your family function better? Maybe it's television. You know, we live in a society where, like, everything is television now, where there's YouTube, there's streaming. Like, I don't have cable, but I still have television. What's the one thing in your house that you think you can't cut out that you think God could use to make your family better? Does it have to do with the way we eat? Does it have to do with the way we sleep? Does it have to do with the way we operate our house? 
Is it something that we're paying for that we really don't need to be paying for? What's something that we operate inside of our house that is taking away from our family? You know, so often I think we, we crutch on things that are operational that are really just convenient. And there are certainly things in our house that we got to have. Electricity, I'm going to give you, you know. Don't think anybody in here needs to be Amish. I can't rock the bowl cut. It would not work. You know, there, I, I'm never going to be one of those guys that's going to tell you how to live your life in your house. Because if someone tells me how to live my life in my house, it's, it's, I, just, I don't respond to that well. But I promise you that there's something in your house that's there that if we cut it out, it helps us function better as a family. I think that when we're about to enter in this new sermon series, talking about family values, that no matter what stage in life we are concerning our family, because we're all different and where we're at on that timeline, but what are some things that we can cut out or bring in that can drastically change how our household operates? What are some things that help us instill in our kids and in our families that we do love the Lord God above all else? And that we're not willing to sacrifice family values in the name of convenience. We're not willing to sacrifice our child's future in the name of convenience. We're not willing to sacrifice our marriage in the name of convenience. That there are things that we do because they're easy, and just because it's easy doesn't mean it's right. So many times we want to take the easy way out because we're told that, you know, I heard this quote, they're like, Bill Gates said that if he wants a job done well, he hires a lazy person because he'll find the easiest way to do it. Anybody that works in the repair industry saw an engineer do it the easy way, and it fell apart. The easy way is not the right way. And I don't care if you're baking cakes. I don't care if you're building houses. The easiest way is usually not going to be the best. And no amount of experimentation with self-help books no amount of YouTube videos, no amount of anything is going to replace you taking time to instill godly values with an open Bible in your family. At the end of the day, sitting down and praying with your children, opening a Bible, and having dinner together will go much further than any book, self-help book, YouTube video, holistic life coach pyramid scheme that you're going to find. At the end of the day, teaching your kids godly values solves pretty much every problem we're going to have. Whether it's work ethic, whether it has to do with finding their future spouse, whether it has to do with their schoolwork, whether whatever it is, opening a Bible with your family fixes all of it. Teaching them to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind is ultimately the only fix for the broken world we live in today. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today and your many blessings. We thank you that we could come before you and worship you. 
and focus on you. Help us to go forward focusing on our families and family values. Bless and keep us today and help us to always remember why we do what we do. In your son's name, amen. Have a fantastic week.